0: The Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast, your weekly view on the stories shaping shipping. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. This week, I'm joined by our chief correspondent, the other Richard, Mr. Clayton. Hi, Richard. Hi. I want to start with a quick review of uh, the news coming out of TPM, the big container gathering on the West Coast. We've had some interesting stories coming from our correspondent Eric Watkins, based out there, but also our containers editor, James Baker, has been filing like a demon from Los Angeles time zone each morning. Unsurprisingly, big topics around consolidation and fuel costs. Fairly inevitable, I guess, but uh, interesting chats with James and uh, Soren Sku from Maersk. They are obviously not unconcerned with the, uh, the rising fuel price and like everybody else, I think, are looking to what happens next. And I think there is just this great deal of uncertainty. Is that something that you're picking up in the conversations that you're having as well? Certainly
1: from the consolidation perspective, there's only so far that consolidation can go. And it, it, it's just bringing very little in terms of actual revenue growth for them. So I wonder if big for big sake is really working. In terms of the fuel cost, this is right up in the air. It doesn't matter whether it's containers or any other sector uh, of our industry. Uh, We just don't know what that spread between lower sulfur fuel and the heavy fuel oil is going to be. It's on everybody's mind at the moment. We've only got nine months to go before we find out.
0: I think that's the thing. I mean, you know, some of the quotes coming out of TPM have just been, frankly, quite frightening. I mean, Soren Sku is a, I would class as a a realist. I mean, he's he's optimistic in terms of some of the things that the industry can do, but he's basically saying that there will be container lines going bankrupt as a result of this. Some of these container lines haven't been making much money, if any, over the last five years. If you add another sort of 500 million to a billion dollars on top of their existing costs, it's just going to be too much. It's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back on containers, I think. I saw
1: one report that suggested the difference in the fuel cost is going to be something like $60 billion. Is that right? Yes. And somebody else said $30 billion. It's so far apart, we
0: might as well not make these wild guesses. Absolutely. I think that's one of the points he was making, is actually, I mean, in order to manufacture the new fuel grades, you're not talking about that much increased cost. What you're talking about is a massive skew in terms of the supply demand dynamics that are going to happen. And that's going to be a question of short term. But I genuinely think that there will be short term problems. And if the bankruptcies that everybody is uh, now predicting happen, consolidation looks to have another sort of fairly serious impact on an already fairly fragile supply chain that could have serious consequences. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is one of the unintended consequences, I think, of 2020.
1: One of the things the International Maritime Organization have made absolutely clear is that we're not going to compromise. Mm. We're not going to allow the people who refuse to get involved until the very last minute. Any leeway, you have to meet these demands. But I seriously wonder whether the implications of that could come back and, and bite us
0: where it hurts. And of course, it's not the only uncertainty. If, the, if 2020 was the only uncertainty that the industry was dealing with right now, perhaps we could uh, you know, accept that we just have to absorb it is one of those things that the industry does periodically. But it is one of many uncertainties right now. We are in the epoch shift when it comes to technology. I know that's something you've been looking at very mm. carefully. But you know, more immediately, the mid to long term effects of the US-China tariff situation is now becoming apparent. Some of the numbers coming out of China this week and last week from the Chinese National People's Congress have really hammered home that Chinese growth is not what it was. A slightly more realistic assessment coming out of uh, Beijing in terms of uh, import decline. But I think from all the economists that I've been talking to over the last week or so, well, trade growth looks set to remain weak for another few months and uh, a period of decline is now possible. The implications for shipping are myriad, but it's not necessarily going to be good news here.
1: I think when we talk about China, we've got to understand this is such a large economy that a slowdown to 6% is still pretty impressive. Yeah. But people are also talking about a recession, which in my understanding is two quarters of negative growth. That's right. That's so far ahead. Let's stop talking in, in those terms. We've yeah. got to think about you know 5% is a significant slowdown. And yet it is still 5%
0: growth. And of course, in between all the, uh, the immediate uh, demands of, of balancing the macroeconomics, the uncertainty of uh, trade, fuel costs not being uh, something that you, anybody can predict with any certainty, people have to balance R&D budgets, planning for the next few years, and the technology investment that's uh, required in order to make some of the regulatory changes that everyone knows is coming in the pipeline. That is a very interesting question right now.
1: We did a a survey on behalf of one of the technology companies recently looking at the attitude of shipping companies to digitalization. And I think most companies are interested and they can see the benefits of investing in digital technology. However, we're not very far down the road in terms of investing in this technology. A lot of people see it as a cost, an expense, something they have to do. And the ones that are going to do well out of this have to understand that it's an investment. And you start small and make sure it works, and then you add to that. What you don't do is completely rebuild your entire company business model because you're told that autonomous shipping or uh, some other form of technology is going to be the next big thing. Nobody can do that. We haven't got the money to do that. Two things that really caught my eye uh, recently I'm chairing day one of uh, an Informer Connect conference in Copenhagen, in next week I think it is, and there's a lot of technology here, but what we're trying to do with all of the panel discussions that we're having is stop thinking about technology as a concept and start thinking about the details. Mm. How do we actually ground it and then build uh, some growth from that? One of the sessions is about financing how to finance digitalization and how to measure whether or not it's successful. It's all very well having it, but it's got to be better than what we've already got. And I've got three or four people looking at, at ideas there. Supply chain optimization. you can't just optimise the shipping side without also optimising the way ports are run, the way the railways arrive and depart, the trucking. Uh, the documentation through, maybe through blockchain. So there's an awful lot going on at the same time. So the question one of these uh, panels asks is, do we need a new regulatory regime here? Is what we have currently got good enough for this next
0: generation of technology? I think that should be a fascinating conversation. I think it goes back to this fundamental that we keep hearing from various conferences now where, one of the main problems and hurdles that we're facing is that there's some very good ideas individually in isolation but we as an industry are having problems connecting the dots shipping has always been about uh, the interconnectedness of a, a supply chain that is in various parts either integrated or not and the whole promise of digitalization sounds great but when you look at the nuts and bolts of it there is no standardization across shipping we're not unique in that but This idea that data needs to be standardized is is a really, really hot topic right now.
1: One of the things this this survey brought out for me was senior leaders within the industry are fully engaged with this. They Mm. do understand that even after they've retired, their company does need to be positioned for digitalization. And another piece of work I've been doing with another Scandinavian country, I was asking him, do we bring in young data savvy graduates from schools because they're, they're you know, well connected with what's happening on the software side. And he said, no, he doesn't want that. What he wants to bring in and what he's, what he's brought in already is people with about 15 years of experience mm. outside the shipping industry. So they might've worked in finance, they might've worked in healthcare, they might've worked in a different part of technology and bring that, that knowledge into the shipping industry. So don't start from scratch, but bring in some fascinating new thinking around digitalization. And those
0: people are the, going to be, be the, the team who drive the shipping industry forward. I think it's very interesting. At every turn, when we've seen outside interest coming in, we saw it with the first wave of private equity where the bankers looked at the bottom line and thought, hmm, there's an industry right for some deals. Of course it turned out to be a little bit more complex than that and what you're seeing now with the financing side is people who have learned the lessons that actually shipping is a little bit more sophisticated and much more nuanced than i think people looking at from the outside first realizing and now we're seeing this with technology there was an initial influx of very clever very good people coming from silicon valley and uh, outside of uh, shipping and looking to solve problems with algorithms and technology and that's great but I think they very quickly realized that you need this overlay of industry experience. Shipping is necessarily complex. It is interconnected with other industries. And it is not as simple as a question of moving uh, you know, a few hundred thousand deadweight tons of steel from port A to port B. It is quite complex. At the Lloyd's List forum that
1: you ran in London in December, one of your speakers made an absolutely critical comment. And she was saying, it's great to have... Startups involved, young people coming in full of ideas, desperate to disrupt our industry. But I wish they knew more about the industry that they're trying to disrupt because very quickly they discover that it's a slow moving industry, it's a conservative industry, and even though we might want to change, you can't change overnight. It does take some time. Mm-hmm. So there is an experience building phase, to use a, a
0: phrase that we've already rejected elsewhere, but there is this phase that we need to grab onto. Education and promotion are one of those things that are considered sometimes a little bit fluffy, but I think it's, it's essential. The industry needs to do a much better job at integrating newcomers, at uh, selling itself, and explaining the complexities.
1: Um, Which leads on very nicely to the other thing that I wanted to share with you. I I went down to Southampton recently and talked to Assistant Professor Kate Pike at Solent University. And she's been doing some work recently on stable crews and fluid crews. And stable crews is where you send the crews back to the same group of ships over and over. Right. And they look after those ships because they're their ships. And they optimize the running of the ships because it's in their interest. And this is their home. So they, they, they look after their home Uh, whereas fluid crewing is where you just randomly send crews to wherever the next need is and in terms of the quality of the running there is a real difference there they had a conference at IMO to discuss uh, all these issues and I went to see her afterwards and I was fascinating that one of the other projects she's looking at is about mentoring at sea Hmm. and although everybody thinks they understand what mentoring is Everybody seems to have a different understanding. But basically, it's where an older generation, older and wiser and hopefully more experienced informally offers some of this information and this experience to the younger generation. And it's an informal way of teaching. And while you would think it's obvious we should be having this in shipping, there isn't very much of it about. And the questions we need to ask is, why have we stopped mentoring at this level? Is it that it's expensive or seem to be expensive? Is it time consuming? Do the senior officers have better things to do? But at the end of the day, this is the way the industry builds its reserves of expertise. And I'm very keen to read that report because I think it will it will offer us some best practice ideas from good companies that we should be
0: sharing across the industry. I think it's absolutely essential. It's, uh, it's one of those things that I think the industry must come together on. I think we see immediate financial demands. We see you know, opportunities in terms of new trades. But as an industry, we've not really come together to, to address some of these human element issues in a, in a way that is meaningful and actually looks at operational and financial circumstances. Exactly.
1: The danger is that we get so caught up in the in the technology that yep. we forget the fact that this is a people industry. Yeah. And if we can raise the knowledge and the level of awareness of the people that we work with, we will have a, a, an optimal industry at the end of the day.
0: Absolutely. Well, one easy way for the uh, next generation to uh, keep up to date with the trends of uh, what's happening in the shipping industry, of course, is to get a Lloyd's List subscription and to listen regularly to the Lloyd's List podcast. But um, we've covered a lot of ground this week. Um, you're off to the Middle East, I think, next week. I am. I've got a lovely trip to Qatar. Excellent. Well, we've solved fuel crisis, technology, uh, macroeconomics. So if you can solve the Middle East crisis while you're there and report back next week, we'd be gratefully appreciated. We'll do so. Lovely. Thank you very much.